Hello and welcome to another episode of Talk and Shop. This is your host, Gabe Tisness, once again behind the mic. It's been a couple of weeks since I was on the show, and boy, am I happy to be back on the show. Once again, the show is produced by WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, and presented by the Florida Flambeau. Um, FSVU is the FSU student-run newspaper, and I get the privilege of writing for them almost every week, as well as my partner today, Max Rundy, who's joining me for his debut on the show. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's, it's a busy week here up in Tallahassee, and I'm really looking forward to get down and talk about all the things we got going on. Yeah, we, we have a couple of things to talk about, especially with the Hurricanes coming up to Tallahassee for Rivalry Week. Um, currently, the Knolls are two-and-a-half-point underdogs, which... To some, it's not so surprising, but it's definitely disappointing for Seminole fans. They have a 3.30 p.m. kickoff tomorrow at Doak. But we're also going to be talking about FSU Hoops. They had their season opener on Wednesday against Penn, and they got the W. So there's some positive news for, positive news for, for Seminole fans there, as well as positive news on the soccer pitch with FSU Women's Soccer. They came in to the ACC final as the number two ranked team, surprisingly, after they tied with Virginia couple of days earlier 1-1 one, one at home but they got the job done they they won 1-0 thanks to a Clara Robbins goal but before we get into that I think we got to start off with probably the thing that most people are looking forward to which is FSU versus Miami tomorrow and it is going to be a huge game even though to some it might not feel like it because the way that FSU football has been this season there's not much to celebrate even with a W here um, but at the same time a win against Miami, it doesn't get better than that. And I think a lot of the players and even some of the fans are going to turn up for it. So, Max, what are, what do you think about this game? What are you looking for? Is there uh, anything that people need to know about this game going into it? So I'll start by saying earlier this semester on V89 Sports, I was a panelist and we were talking about what could we do or what could FSU do to turn around this football season even just a little bit. And everyone was just like, maybe keep getting the fans in, win a couple of good games. But everyone was like, the season's basically over. Just wait till next year. I straight up said, if we beat Miami, the fans, the city, and the team themselves will turn around. And it will be a great launching pad into the offseason and into next fall. I think this is a make or break game for Norville especially because of how or he has performed so far against our rivals, especially Miami. But this is an intriguing matchup. Neither one of these otherwise historically great football programs have performed very well this year. Miami's had some injuries at the quarterback position, but Tyler Van Dyke has stepped up and is thrown all over every team he faces. I, I think it'll be a I think it'll be a gunslinger matchup, honestly. I, I think FSU will be able to put up some points against this Miami defense, which has the turnover chain and they're not very good at getting turnovers yeah I mean the thing that stuck out to me from that is just Mike Norvell and this is his debut against Miami because I believe last year he had COVID <laughs> so he didn't even get a chance to coach them on the field so I'm sure he had some sort of input going into it and you know they, they figure things out with Zoom and, and everything but not having him on the field is definitely uh, a disadvantage to them as much as we want to poo-poo on, on Mike Norvell, <laughs> I do think that having him back on the sidelines year two, there's, there's a lot of expectations on him. And the Seminole squad needs to perform because it is one of their last games of the season. Um, 
you know, coming off the NC State game, I think that's where we should also start is remembering where FSC is coming from. You know, th- this loss that um, it wasn't necessarily unexpected because, you know, NC State is a pretty decent team. They were ranked number 19 coming into the game. And while the, the Knolls were playing at home, they were underdogs once again, as they have been for the majority of the season. And they did not really look competitive against them, even though at the end of the day, they falter 28 to 14. Uh, in my opinion, once again, they were not very competitive. But in the second half, there, there were some shining spots there that they tried to keep it close. But as a, as a viewer, I never really expected them to, to be able to overcome uh, some of the, the inefficiencies of that offense that, that plagued them because of Jordan Travis's absence. That's, that's the key to the offense, and without him, they, they just can't turn on the engine. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The standout factor in this loss was not having Jordan Travis. Mackenzie Milton did his best to come in after six weeks off and perform, but he was terrible in the first half. He really was. And that's just not him either. The whole offense was as stagnant as possible. We had, or FSU had negative three rushing yards at halftime. In total, they had something like 38 rush yards, which going into that game, they were averaging almost 210. Yeah. 210. They were 10th in the nation mm-hmm. with rushing yards per game, and they put up like 38 mm-hmm. against NC State. It's not Alabama's defense. It's, it's NC State, not even that great of a football school usually. Mm-hmm. They're playing well this year in a year where the ACC is missing their powerhouse Clemson. Mm-hmm. But this game, and even you said it, the second half was a slight bright spot, but it's highlighted by an onside kick. Yeah. Without the onside kick, FSU might not score a single point in that game and lose a game they should win. NC State played really bad, in my opinion, and it was a very winnable game if Jordan Travis were healthy. Yeah, I, I don't know if they would have won. I think I even predicted them to win going into the game, so what am I saying here? I don't know. But at the same time, <laughs> I think NC State deserves a lot of credit for, for being uh, as good as they have been this season. But they've shown their their, their moments, especially on the road where, where they struggle, and I thought this was going to be one of them. And even without Jordan Travis, they didn't really seem to take advantage of all the, the issues that FSU posed on, on Saturday a week ago. And so, yeah, if anything, that, that makes you doubt where this team is at because you saw them against Clemson on the road, probably a better defense if anything. And that tells you how much Jordan Travis is, is, is valued in this team because against them, they put up more points and they, they looked a little bit more, more competitive. Um, and without him at home against a team that that's uh, at least inferior on the defensive side of the ball, you, you saw this offense struggle. I believe they had about 70 total yards in the first half and they, they, I don't think they even converted a third down in the first half. Overall in the game, they were way below 30, 35% on, on third down, on the money down. So FSU has a lot to prove, once again, against um, Miami. And, and I think you have to put a lot of things aside for this game because it is a rivalry game, and neither team is necessarily in a good place, either as a program or in the season. So there's going to be a lot of pride on the table it's going to be a big moment for a lot of players especially the seniors even though FSC doesn't have many um so it, if anything it's a it's a new spot it's a new stage for them to to showcase who they are uh take something into the off season um Max what are your what who are the players that you're most looking forward to this this game 
No doubt about it. It's the only player on FSU that you can consistently, week in and week out, look forward to watching. Jermaine Johnson. Okay. Jermaine Johnson has been a beast. Mm -hmm. He will be a top 15 pick at worst. And he shows so much promise against really talented O-lines. Miami's O-line is really not talented. Mm -hmm. They've struggled with the sack tremendously this year, giving up the same amount, 27, on the season as FSU, who we all know do <laughs> not have the best O-line. Mm -hmm. I think Jermaine Johnson will be a key factor in making this game competitive. Mm -hmm. If he can get out there, and it's not just him, the D-line especially. Mm -hmm. If they can really get that O-line pushed back quickly and rush that passer, they will not be able to connect on those deep balls that they thrive on and mm -hmm. survive on a lot of the time so much. And I think Jermaine Johnson's the big takeaway. If Travis is healthy and returns from the classic FSU Tallahassee plague, well, I think I think this will be a good game. I, I don't know what your prediction is going to be. Mm -hmm. I, I got a high-scoring game, and I think it'll be a one-score game by the end. Mm. Yeah, we'll get into our predictions in a little bit. I think we can build up a little bit more of the anticipation. But Miami currently has, I believe, a four-game winning streak, three-game winning streak, something like that. Um, and, I mean, they're, they're going to turn up. So it is definitely going to be imperative for the defensive line to turn up because when you look at the rest of the defense, I think that's where, where, where the strengths are. And, and not just Jermaine Johnson, but also Keir Thomas. He had two sacks against NC State. He got ACC defensive lineman uh, honors this past week. And I, I think it's going to be a team effort on the defensive side of the ball. I don't see how Jermaine Johnson pulls out a master class as much as FSU fans would probably like it to be. Um, we saw him have a pretty good show against uh, Clemson, and not even that was enough. So I'm looking at Keir Thomas. I'm looking at DJ Lundy and... I, I want to say some sort of DB, but I, I can't trust them. I, I know there's some bright spots. I know there's some, some interesting performances, but I don't trust any of them, uh, especially on the D pass. Uh, so on the offensive side of the ball, though, I do think that this is an opportunity for them to get back on track. Obviously, it'll all depend on Jordan Travis's health. Uh, I believe he tweeted that he is going to play, so no worries on that side. But how well will he play? Because this is his first game since he got the flu the tally flu being undefeated, you never know how long that thing is going to last. So if he doesn't really turn up and if he doesn't perform like he usually does, then the run game will probably be limited as well. So then you turn to the passing game and, and we, we return to the same old question, who's going to actually show up, who's going to help out the quarterback um, with a struggling offensive line. It's going to be important for players like Cameron McDonald, I think, to help out Jordan Travis, or whoever's back there, because you never know what's going to happen during the game. But, um, yeah, is there any other player on the offensive side of the ball that you're looking forward to watching? I think you did end right there with a valid point. Not only mm -hmm. is Travis going to be healthy-ish, he'll be coming off something, FSU has no depth here. If he gets knocked out via injury or just doesn't feel well right before game, mm -hmm. game time, this game's a wash. It, it's really just over at that point, mm -hmm. because Milton... Milton's just not what he was at UCF and mm -hmm. after however many leg surgeries he's had. But I think the last one, and I said it before, the run game. The run game has to have a massive comeback this week. It, it was 
shocking last week to see how poor they were. And mm -hmm. it, it was all across the board. Nobody could run the ball. Nobody got in any open spaces. Our longest run was something like eight yards or ten yards at most, maybe. I really think it'll be up to the O-line and D-line to really control this game, as most football games really end up being. Yeah, and the question with the run game is, who is Mike Novell going to turn to? Because we've seen him throughout the whole season kind of feature Jayshon Corbin as the lead runner, and then also sprinkle in Trayshawn Ward most of the games. But there's times where, Jay, or not Jayshon Corbin, but uh, Lawrence Toffili starts to get more of the, the, the touches uh, sometimes even midway through the game, I think he likes to rotate them to keep the defense on edge or, or maybe just kind of keep them all fresh. But yeah, I think that's one of the keys for the game is, is, is are the running backs going to be featured in, in a very diverse way or is it going to be more so of a two-player two um, committee? And I think Mike Norville is going to have to actually put some in-game adjustments to, to work for once because I, I don't see how the team is going to come in prepared enough. We've never really seen the Seminoles under Mike Novell come in and for the first half completely shut down a team other than the UNC game. Actually, which UNC game? Both UNC games. Yeah. So, But after that, what was going to happen? Because we saw last year against UNC how the team allowed them to come back and almost win the game. And there's many other games where FSU has started off well, first drive, you know, scripted plays. They know what they're doing, but then once they're actually off script, and when you talk about Jordan Travis, he's always going to go off script uh, due to the inability to trust his receivers. So I, I think it's going to come down to the coaching staff to actually help the guys out. And, you know, there's a lot of inexperience in this team. Like I said, one of the, the things that I'm looking forward to is how are these young guys going to show up to the Miami game? This This is a very historical matchup and even though it's not the bright spot for either uh program right now i think it still has a lot of weight and a lot of pride to it so max what is it what is it going to come down to i think it'll come down to the whoever has the ball last <laughs> i really do I, I think it'll be something around the lines of like 34 to 37 something random up in there wow. I, I think fsu's offense will have a good game and I think it will be because of these explosive runs we see at times. Mm -hmm. I, I think the passing game will be improved to some mm -hmm. extent. I'll give Travis this. He, at times, is incredible. He is. He really is. He can connect on that deep ball, on the move, and it's not a worry. Then other times he shows up and he just can't throw the football at all. Nor sometimes his receivers can't catch the ball at all. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be a very high-scoring game. Kickers might be important. Oh, man. Watch out for that. Oh, man. You know, looking back at the NC State game, I just kept on telling myself, is the punter really the highlight for FSU? Yeah. And, you know, kiddo, kudos to him because he had a good game. But um, I do think that this is going to be a lower-scoring lower game than what you're predicting. Um, I... I don't want to think about field position because FSU has had so many issues with kickoffs and punt returns. But if they don't get those type of issues fixed by Saturday, then I think the offense will struggle and they'll have to play catch-up once again. And it's going to really come down to Jordan Travis and his receivers. As much as I think the run game is the, the, the key to FSU's success, I think if the receivers have a good game, then they'll probably be able to take the lead at some points in the game. But if they don't, 
then they'll be playing catch-up for most of it. And that's where I'm looking at players like Keyshawn Helton, who scored a touchdown last game. But it's in the deep game where they really need him because nobody can really stretch the field like he can. And then you need players like Cameron McDonald to be able to be consistent on, on the mid-game and, and the short game um, to provide that, that, that vouch for Jordan Travis. The receivers are going to be huge. But with that being said, I do think that FSU is going to lose. And I can't remember what I predicted on, on V89 Sports on Tomahawk Talk. Shout out to, to, that, <laughs> to that show over there. But, yeah, I do think FSC is going to lose. I, I, I go here, and I, I try to put all my biases aside when I'm doing these shows, the, 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 the big J journalism, as we say. But I, I just don't see a, a parade tomorrow. Even if they win, I don't think they deserve a parade. But for, for, all, that, for all that I can think that will happen, I, I don't see this team winning. Because of the form that they're on, I, I think the morale is... It's kind of looming on them right now with, with the two consecutive losses. They had two big opportunities to, to win games that would have really done a lot for them, and they didn't take advantage of them. So I think this is going to be one of those cases where they're too inexperienced and they still don't know how to win. So sadly, I'm going to go with FSU 26 and Miami 33. So Still pretty high scoring, though. Yeah, and Miami will probably cover... Like I said, it's two and a half, so <laughs> not much there. So it's really going to be a pick em. But um, moving on to more positive news for FSU. FSU basketball team is back, back on the court. And Coach Hamilton coached his team to victory against Penn on Wednesday night. 9 p.m. kickoff, a bit late. But the, the, the Tucker Center was packed. Oh, and yeah. did you go to the game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was awesome. It was bumping in there it really mm. was first time since freshman year for us right yeah, i mean it was wild great to see it again though mm-hmm. really great yeah last year uh i got the privilege to go i was a member of the press for the fsvu and it was it was incredible it was it was kind of like going to a concert but being the only fan mm. or one of the only fa- few fans there not because the band sucked but because <laughs> there was uh some off the field issues to, to say the least but but yeah fsu got back Back to their winning ways, starting with the season 1-0 with a whole new crew because they lost a couple of standout players from last season, including Scotty Barnes, who's now in the NBA. and Killing it, too. Killing it, yeah. Killing he's it. on pace to be Rookie of the Year, maybe. I'm, I would really say so. Nine, I think it's like 19-8-6 right now, something you don't see that from rookies very often. No, and then his highlights are just kind of like the same as in college. So it's it's like he's still doing the things that he was doing in college, but against better opposition now and thankfully he's he's in a good team I would say that that kind of has a place for him but moving away from from Scotty Barnes he's he's done with FSC so we'll, we won't talk too much about him today but to his former team he he his team is doing pretty decent I would say they they blew out Penn 105 to 70 and the game actually started off pretty close the first couple of minutes were um, not what I expected I thought FSU would have come out a lot stronger, but they didn't. They, they struggled shooting. I believe they were two of nine to start the game. But then they, they quickly got back on their feet and, and they remembered who they were. Uh, Max, what were you some of the takeaways from this game? I mean, it's tried and true with Hamilton's coaching style. This defense is remarkable, mm-hmm. top to bottom. And this was a game without a center. Mm-hmm. We had Raekwon, or not Raekwon, Malika Osborne, 6'9", maybe, <laughs> on a good day, 6'9". 
get 13 rebounds, seven offensive, seven offensive rebounds. And they, they dominated the glass. They dominated defense, possession, or, uh, turnovers, turnovers, points, scoring off tur turnovers. All, really, it was one-sided, even mm -hmm. though it didn't really feel like it. Mm -hmm. The first half, it ended up being a good first half, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But it seemed within the first like couple minutes of the second, the game was just over, mm -hmm. like out of nowhere. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I'll say this. I was lucky enough to cover for the FSVU also the first scrimmage we played mm -hmm. and it was dominating obviously we, i think fsu played like florida college or something random like that i walked away with that game saying <laughs> fsu's two best players would be raekwon evans and malik osborne mm. if the game against penn did anything it just reassured that for me these mm -hmm. two will stand out tremendously this year yeah malik osborne finishing with 18 points four of six for shooting and Evans, 14 points, 5 of 9 for shooting. And, yeah, those are obviously going to be two huge players for FSU. Um, Coach Hamilton's teams have never really been about one or two players. But with some of the players that they lost, they're definitely going to need some players to step up into uh, bigger roles, including, I think, Anthony Polite, who finished with 17 points, uh, second below Malik Osborne, like we said. 5 of 9 shooting, 3 of 4 from 3. And he played the most minutes out of the starting five, which, once again, it didn't feature a true center, which is something that FSU fans might have to get accustomed to because they lost Balsa Kopravica. And, yeah, he he was never really the All-American, to say the least. But he was definitely a player that I, I think FSU is going to miss this season. And they haven't been able to recruit any true center that, that can even come close to him. So... The, the, the small ball is something that uh, I think Coach, Coach Hamilton is going to go to even more so than often, especially considering um, how is his starting lineup. It was something odd for me. I, I thought he was going to start off with, with the center and just kind of see how the team fleshed out first, try to give everyone minutes. But no, he, he wanted to go in for the kill and, and put out his best five, and, and that's, that's who he put out there. I will say this. Penn, being an Ivy League school, is definitely not the skill – athleticism or just mm -hmm. recruiting that you FSU will face in the ACC. Right. So later on in the season, plus Nagam was hurt, which mm -hmm. I was unaware of at the time. Mm -hmm. But later on in the season, I do expect uh, Hamilton to integrate the center position a lot more. The only issue is the only true centers FSU has is Nagam and Ballard, Quincy Ballard. Mm -hmm. Quincy Ballard does not look that good. Mm -hmm. At least based on the one time I saw him in the scrimmage earlier on, mm -hmm. he just looks like he's 7'2", which does help. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Height is important. But Nagam is just much faster, much better out on the perimeter, and it doesn't just look like a deer in the headlights like you do see with Ballard a lot. Mm -hmm. I think this will be a fun year to watch of FSU basketball. He, Hamilton has a lot of different options on hand. Most Notably, the fact that he's got three highly ranked freshmen mm -hmm. not playing. Cleveland, Matthew Cleveland, mm -hmm. John Butler Jr. Who was the last one? Um, Matthew Cleveland. It's um, Worley. Mm -hmm. John, or yeah. something Worley. Mm -hmm. All three of which are extremely talented. John Butler Jr. being my favorite. He's a 6'11 ball handler almost, and he can shoot from anywhere on the floor. He's got a lot of versatility this year and a lot of depth. He does love depth. Even when we 
even when Florida State doesn't have the depth they always have, Hamilton loves going 13-plus deep. This season, you should see a lot of that. Yeah, something I, I'm i trying to wrap my head around is the fact that they have 38 bench points because, like we talked about, Coach Hamilton likes to to, to rotate his team, especially against a team like Penn. Um, not to hate on them, but they're not the opposition that FSC is going to expect as the season goes on. Um, so for them to not really perform as well as I would have hoped for, I, I do think that that's something to keep in mind going forward. But yeah, I think the the three freshmen that you pointed out, Max, is a really good point because these are guys that are going to have to grow up really fast. Not because they're going to be necessarily starting all the time, but because they're they're having to fill in big shoes and this is a team that still has ACC hopes, winning the ACC championship and hopefully doing something similar to what they've been doing the last couple of years, if not exceeding those expectations. Um, so what are, you, what are your expectations for this team? Uh, not trying to get ahead of ourselves, you know, first game of the season, but uh, more so on the, on the national championship picture. Do you see them going beyond the Sweet 16, maybe getting into the, the final eight, or is this going to be one of those seasons where you don't really know what to expect? Here's what I'll say. I have a lot of faith in this year's Florida State team. I really do. I think they have a great mix of that veteran, experienced group and these super talented youngsters that are just going to develop as the season goes on and on. And I think I think we just saw it in a meeting the other day. FSU is currently projected a five seed in March Madness. I think that's absurd. I really do. I, I think Florida State will be, at worst, a three seed. This This is a good basketball program nowadays. And they have the depth that they aren't even really accustomed to having. And I don't know, the three-point shooting is going to be better this year. They have a lot of shooters on this team, and it wasn't very good against Penn, but that's something that will come with time. Once you get more in the flow of basketball season, shooters will get hot. I think Florida State should be seeking to win the ACC yet again, and I think they should be looking for Elite Eight. I, I, I think it would be a downside of a season to say otherwise because – there's a good chance, even if none, no, th- even if, if the three rookies we have are freshmen, even if they don't start all season, there's a decent chance we lose at least one of them. Mm. I, I think Florida State has a lot to look forward to, and I think the 35-point victory against Penn, it's, it's not that much to be disappointed in. It could have been a lot more, but 105 points is not heard of from Florida State. Yeah. I, I saw before the show... It was the 11th time ever Florida State's surpassed 100 points. Most recent, 2015 against Nichols State. Yeah, I I also (laughs) saw that, and I was like, am I seeing correctly? Because that's not not very often that you see that from Florida State. And, you know, it's it's not often that you see that, but they still do a great job on the defensive side of the ball. And, I mean, as I was watching the game, I just kept on – trying to wrap my head around the fact that they were just hustling so much for the first game of the season. It was like they'd been waiting for this moment for a while. So there's definitely a lot of hunger in this team, and, and I think that's where the youth comes into play. I think they have the legs, they have the energy, and the motivation to actually perform. Not that the, the previous guys weren't, but you need that sort of motivation um, for a whole season, and the, the guys will be hungry once again. They're, they're called the new bloods for a reason, and the, the energy was there on the defense side, defensive side of the ball. And a player that I was most looking forward to watching was Caleb Mills. 
think he's a sophomore transfer. Um, and yeah, from University of Houston, he he really impressed me. His hair is maybe my favorite part about his game, but he definitely seems like a player that will probably be included in the starting five going forward. He's 6'5". Um, so I just want to see how he fits in with Anthony Polite because Anthony's a pretty good shooter. So you're kind of trying to see who's going to pair up well with Raekwon Evans and Anthony Polite. And I think Caleb Mills will be that guy going forward. But I do think the expectations for FSU... I wouldn't say they need to be lowered, but at the same time, this is a young team that has a very experienced coach. So you almost see like the start of something new and you get excited and you, 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 you say to yourself, oh, this could be huge, this could be awesome. But there's also going to be growing pains that FSU fans need to expect at some point. But with that being said, is there anything else we should talk about, Max? I think there is one very notable person we have yet not mentioned, and it's Cameron Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Cameron Fletcher, huge transfer FSU got in this year, came off the bench, surprisingly. And even more surprisingly, someone filling that similar role was Wyatt Wilkes getting the mm. start. I personally kind of like Wyatt Wilkes, mm-hmm. but he's very disappointing <laughs> at times. Like, he just didn't really look like he deserved the starting spot in this first game. And I expect by the end of the year, it will be Fletcher starting a lot more than Wilkes. And granted, this could have been one of those times since Tanner Nagam is hurt, Wilkes went in instead because he's got a little bit of that height. He's got the experience to rebound in college-level basketball. I think Cameron Fletcher, he had, I think it was like 15, 18 minutes, something around those lines, five steals. His defense is electric. And he dominated a good portion of that game. He had back-to-back steals on back-to-back possessions, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, I really like him, and I think I think he'll be able to develop into this new system of his throughout the season. Yeah, I like what you're saying. He had nine points, four of eight shooting from the field, five steals in only 17 minutes, and a plus-minus of 19. Compared to Wide Wilkes' four points, two of six shooting, including 0 for 2 on behind the three-point range, and 16 minutes. And... Wyatt Wilkes is not a, a, a rookie. He's, he's somebody that's, that's been here before. So I think it's maybe a little bit of respect to him. Um, obviously, we, we talked about how Penn doesn't really need FSU's main, main energy, main focus. So um, maybe it's just getting him inserted into the lineup because, like we, like we talked about, this is almost a new uh, – how do I say this? A new, a new way that FSU is going to start to play – uh, I do think that a lot of the things that they've been doing before are going to carry over. But when we talk about the small ball lineup, they're going to have to figure out how to actually perfect that to the best of their ability. And Wyatt Wilkes will probably have a huge role in that because he is one of those three-point shooters that FSU needs to rely on. And while he may not be the best one, he's as good as FSU really has uh, at the moment. And, and we'll see how players like Fletcher develop as the season goes on. But there's a lot to look forward to in this team, like we talked about. Um, moving on from FSU basketball, uh, a team that's been on their peak of their season, a team that has not disappointed at all for a couple of years now, actually, the FSU women's soccer team. They won 1-0 against Virginia, number one ranked Virginia in the ACC title. And, man, does it does it... Feel good to be able to say that because this team, I think, just deserves it. I mean, they've been unstoppable for most of the season until the the latter points of it. 
where they struggled against uh, some upper echelon teams like Virginia, who they tied 1-1 at home. Um, so the form going into the ACC tournament wasn't the best for them. They beat out Wake Forest 2-1 in overtime um, over in North Carolina where the tournament was being held in pretty cold temperatures because it was played, I think, around 8 o'clock, which is a little late for the, for the ladies. And, yeah, I, I, I don't know what else to say that hasn't been said about this team. They're phenomenal. They deserve everyone's respect and, and admiration for what they've been able to do the past four years under Mark Corian. And now they're heading into the national tournament against South Alabama, playing a couple hours from today. And obviously the expectation is for them to not just win, but probably blow them out as they beat them 4-0 earlier in the season. Max, is there anything that fans should know about this team? I will say South Alabama has done well within the Sunbelt Conference. It is their third consecutive championship and eight in their last nine years, which is actually very impressive. The key word here is Sunbelt Conference. <laughs> this is the best team in the nation we're talking about, like, not noticeably. Like, FSU women's soccer has dominated all season long, except for that rough stretch at the end of the year, which we talked about it a little bit on V89. Some people weren't too happy that that happened and it was a little worrisome. I'm on the side that you want those challenges mm -hmm. at the end of the year going into the playoffs. When it matters the most, you want to be coming off some hardships rather than it's the classic NFL. Do mm -hmm. you really want that first week by? Because mm -hmm. I, as a Packer fan, we were the wild card the one year we've won it. The one year we've been to plenty of NFC championships. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> I, I have a lot of expectations for today's matchup. I, I don't think it'll be a good match whatsoever. I, mm -hmm. I think South Alabama, good for them, they've made yeah. it. But they get the UMBC, no, not the UMBC title, but they're the, the, lowest, the lowest of the lows, and FSU's the highest of the highs. Yeah, it's not the matchup you probably want to get uh, paired up with if, if you're South Alabama or if you're anybody else, really. Because this FSU team is 16-1-2 in the season, and like we talked about, they had a rough spot at the end of the season. Granted, they had some players off for international duty, um, especially against UNC. They had to play with back three, and it was their first game, so, you know, 2-2 two -two tie on the road. Probably don't want to complain about that. It was the one little loss against Duke that kind of scared me a little bit because, um, obviously, they didn't score for starters, but... Yeah, it was their first loss in the season, so you have to wonder, how are they going to bounce back from this? This is a team that, that had been going undefeated for quite a while, um, but it's also a team that's played a lot. It's played it uh, for years now. Uh, it's part of the freshman class from 2017, 2018 that's delivered so much for Mark Corian and the Seminoles. Um, so fatigue is something to kind of wonder as the season goes on, but FSU took care of business against Virginia, and... Clara Robbins, once again, she was the MVP. She scored the one goal. It was about 30 to 35 yards. It was impressive. Uh, the goalie got caught out once again. And FSU women's soccer has had so many, so many highlight goals. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, as as an unbiased, once again, commentator, I will say I've been a little bit scared of FSU's offense because they're a very possession-based team, and... They put up a lot of shots, but once you face the bigger teams, the, the most uh, experienced teams, you don't nearly get the same level of possession. And so the shots that you're taking, they also become lesser. So 
their avenue towards scoring sometimes is, is going to be problematic throughout this NCAA tournament. But I do expect them to make it pretty far. I don't see this team really um, losing because they have so much experience. They know how to win. They know how to get it done. And Mark Corian is one of the best coaches in the business. So if they ever get into any risky business, I do think that he's going to be able to read the game better than the other coach. Um, and, I mean, talk about last year. We, we saw this team lose against Santa Clara in the, in the final in a very unexpected way because they were the number one ranked team. They they, they had the mojo. It was, it was the big big team against the little team and the little team won and that's that's what happens sometimes in these tournaments but I do think that FSU has that hunger for revenge to to finally be able to cement themselves as national championships national champions once again um so I'm looking at players like Beata Olsen to be able to take that that scoring charge um players like Yui Zhao who who are seniors and and Jenna Nyswanger and oh I think Jenna's a, a junior actually but players like Jalen Howell who are in their last seasons um, and they definitely have a future in, in soccer going forward, but uh, this might be their last role with the Seminoles, and they probably want it in the high note. So don't think we need predictions for, for FSU women's soccer tonight, but what do you, what do you think is going to happen going forward? Do you think they're going to make the final max? Or? I think FSU should walk pretty easily through the first couple rounds. Mm -hmm. I, I think the semifinal will be a little worrisome. I think that offense you're talking about could stall out. And I, I did notice, because Duke was actually the first article I wrote mm -hmm. for the FSU, and I'm not the hugest soccer fan of the world, <laughs> I won't lie. What a terrible way to start watching FSU women's <laughs> soccer. That game, just the lack of, I hate to say it, almost effort. Mm -hmm. it, it was just not there. And yeah, it was in the middle of a long road trip. I don't see that to happen again, though, because they were missing three key players yeah. that night, and I think FSU should walk relatively easy into at least the semis. Mm. Semis could be an issue. The final, I hate to say this, FSU's had a bit of a, at least with, within the realm of their women's sports, mm -hmm. of getting there mm. and then kind of losing it. The soccer team, softball last spring. Oh, man. I don't think it'll happen because this, this team showed domination this year that you don't commonly see. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think it's theirs to lose. I really do. Yeah. And you look at other teams like Virginia, and they already beat them, and, and they tied against them. So Virginia is also going to have to think about that if they ever get to face them uh, throughout this tournament. Uh, Florida State's definitely going to be the they're, – they're the number one seed in the whole tournament for a reason. So I think everyone's kind of looking up to them even though they didn't win the title last year. Santa Clara is lurking on the other side of the, the, the bracket, funny enough. Uh, once again, unranked, really. But we know what they can do. <laughs> so uh, I, I think, if anything, you have to look forward to Pepperdine. They're the number four team in, in Florida State's bracket, and uh, they might be the team that they get paired up around, uh, I think, the, the Elite Eight. So I, I don't expect them to lose. I don't expect them to crash out early, but... I, I do want to see them kind of get back on their feet and, and show that dominance that they've shown throughout the regular season. Because last year, when they were trying to make the final, they had a couple of penalty shootouts to make it there. And those are stages where you don't really want to put yourself into because anything can happen. Uh, these are one-game scenarios where luck is going to be part of it, no matter what, no matter how good you are. So, won't make any predictions, but I think FC is going to make it pretty far. I got one question for you. What's that? You're a big soccer fan. A little bit. 
how do you feel about this? This this is just how it always, not always, it seemingly comes down to just penalty kicks sometimes. <laughs> to me, I, I heard someone say it's the most hyped up moment in sports. Mm. And I see, view it as like the most just, what is the opposite of that? I forget. <laughs> it's just, you have all this hype for 90 minutes, 95 mm. minutes. Yeah. And then it just comes crashing down to who can actually kick it into the wide open net. Mm. Well, is it really wide open? Because there's a there's... it's a guess. It's literally a guess by the goalie. <laughs> they see the hips, and that's about it, right? You know, sometimes you just dive. You don't yeah. even think about it, and you just. I mean, the keepers they they get to do their little homework before the game and, and see where they the the penalty takers usually like to go, and um, yeah, you just kind of have to feel it out sometimes, but. It can be anticlimactic for sure. That's the one thing that I will say. Um, you play 90 minutes of intense, sometimes even 120 minutes of intense soccer, and then you just decide it like that. But uh, there's no no better alternative other than golden goal, which <laughs> isn't the case for um, NCAA tournament rules. Um, so hopefully we don't get to see them uh, go to penalties. But even then, I think their their keepers are, are pretty decent. They They've been alternating for most of the season. So it'll be interesting to see who gets the nod uh, going into the tournament because the rest of the team is is pretty clear cut. You have your your starting back four. The midfield has been uh, about the same. Leilani Nesbeth has been starting a lot, which I I don't know if he if Marker Coin is going to change that because players like Jenna Nyswanger and Jui Zhao might be uh, trending upwards in that sense. And then the the front three you have Jody Brown, you have Biata Olsen. You have, um, I forget her name, but yeah, you have a very consistent team. So if anything, I'm interested to see, to see how he kind of carries that over into the tournament when you're, we're talking about the, the early stages of it because you don't want them to get burned out before the big games because um, they won't be having much rest in between games, uh, assuming they, they progress. So with that being said, I think that's about it. That's all we have for you today. So Thank you so much for tuning in to Talk and Shop. This has been Gabe Tisness. Max, thank you so much for coming in the show. Any last words? It was a blast. I do have to give a shout out to Leilani. I have a class with her. She sits right (laughs) behind me. Tired of the slander. She's going to go crazy this tournament. I want to see it. I want to see it. She she scored uh, against UNC last year in the ACC final. So she has shown up in big moments before. So hopefully she's able to do that once again. But um, yeah, once again, this has been Talk and Shop. Another episode in the books. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.